As we look into this story of the of uh, the the account of Nicodemus, I could spend several weeks on this story. I kind of kind of hit some standstills this week. I, my brother he said, "Hey, what's your main points for this week?" And I I, I threw some at him, and I'm going to try to stick to what I was at. But I, as I studied and I continued to study the story of Nicodemus, I found that there were so much there's so much good here. That, that John, as he was writing this, that he makes a point to speak about Nicodemus for some reason. And really, it's all about this, you know, uh, uh, this, this thought of well, who Jesus is. And you guys know, as, as we're going through this, this study, that we are looking at a definition of who Christ is. Because we need a clear definition. And the world needs a clear definition. And, and in this story of Nicodemus, we see a clear definition as to who Jesus is. And also we, we see that we have this beautiful thing called salvation. And if you're saved today, I'd like to hear you say amen. amen. And that good. We have that. And it's not of our own works, but it is of Christ. And on this eve of, of Valentine's Day, I, I hope you men have gotten your wives something. Some of y'all look really shocked right now. <laughs> it's not too late, so you can thank me later that I reminded you that tomorrow is Valentine's Day. But on this eve of Valentine's Day, as we celebrate love, I, I want to call us to the love of Christ. I want to call us to the message that the gospel is a message of love. Amen, church? It's a message of love. I know the world wants to paint Christianity in this negative light. That it's a, it's a bigoted, archaic religion. But it's not. That Christianity is a relationship with the one true God who loves us so much, he wants to fix everything we've messed up. And I'm so thankful for that. John chapter 3, look there, starting with verse 1, we see this account of, of Nicodemus. Starting with verse 1 in John 3. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. Do not marvel that I have said to you, you must be born again. The, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things? Truly. Truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him 
may have eternal life. Lord, I love you. I thank you for this as a cow. Lord, I, I believe without a doubt that you, you give us this story of Nicodemus because it truly profoundly proclaims to us what salvation is about, who salvation comes through. It's not a work of our own, but it's, it's a work that, Lord, that you did in your goodness through your son, Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, today for believers in this place, today, I pray that we will take up arms and Lord, we will proclaim the gospel this week like we never have before. Lord, if there be anyone in this place or anyone listening later that, that does not know you, that Father, they will hear the call of the Holy Spirit in their lives to repentance and Lord, that they will believe and repent today. We give this time to you in your most holy name. Amen. You're looking at this passage and I, I'm so blessed to... Uh, as, as I read it, it, it just continually, I, I keep getting more and more things out of here. And you, and you, you see Jesus speaking very emphatically to, to this man, a man who was a learned man, a teacher. Jesus even calls him the teacher of Israel. So that, that tells me that, that, that Nicodemus was kind of a, kind of a big shot, you know? He was kind of, he was kind of one of the big guys that, you know, he's the one you would go to if you had a question about the Bible. If you had a question about, about your life, he's the man that you would go to. He was a great teacher of Israel. But yet here he is by night, which is interesting in and of itself. But here he is by night. He comes to Jesus and he, and, and Nicodemus tells him, truly you must be from God. Like, like Nicodemus in all of his spiritual wisdom, he could understand that Jesus was something different than all the other Christ who had come, all the other teachers who had come, all the other prophets, the false prophets, the political leaders, the countries, all of this, he knew that Jesus was different. Now, I can relate to that, can't you? And when I met Jesus, it was something different. It wasn't like anything else I'd ever met in my life. He, he, he was something different. Truly, he's from God. And as you're thinking about this thought that Jesus is not just a prophet, he's not just these things, but guys, Jesus is God. We've been looking at that over the last several weeks, and it's kind of like John has this revolving kind of uh, theme throughout his writings is to remind us who Jesus is. He's not just a teacher. He's not just some, you know, hippie guy that walks around and does cool stuff and turns water to wine, which is really cool, right? He, he's not just someone who goes around and heals people. He's not just someone who, who does these miraculous events, but he is God. Let the church say amen to that because that's who we are. We are believers today, not because of our own goodness and our own grace, but we are believers because of Jesus who came, God in flesh. And today, by the work of the Holy Spirit, we can be different. I love what God's doing in this body of believers here. A couple hours away, I got a, a church that they're experiencing for the first time, their new pastor, and I praise God that Purim found a pastor that can replace me, you know? <laughs> I'm so great, great to see that, you know? It's just, it's just beautiful. And I have to tell you guys a story somehow, just how, how the Lord has truly blessed that church. So that, that, you know, me coming here has actually kind of expanded some other areas, right? Yeah, how, the, how the Lord worked this out. This is not something, you know, I didn't come here because I was at fault with my last church. You guys know the story. I, you know, when they called me, I was like, I, I didn't even know I'd put my name in the hat. Yet, here I am, by the grace of God. And it's truly Jesus that that Nicodemus met, that's, that's the Jesus I'm talking about. He's, he's the Jesus that's beyond anything in this world. 
that, that I, I don't need to worry about tomorrow because I know who's got me today. And I know he'll be there for me tomorrow and the day after. And no matter what comes my way. And Nicodemus recognized this within Jesus. That something was different. That not just different, but he was from God. He recognized the godliness of who Jesus is. And he was so close. But as we read through the conversation, he kind of loses it, doesn't he? And, and as Jesus is trying to explain what salvation is, what all of this is, you know, I, I want us to understand what salvation is too. Because we get a great definition a good pointing here. There in, in, in verse 3, we see that the new birth is a work from above. Everybody think about that for a moment. Kind of put that in your brain and chew on it for a minute, okay? The new birth is a work from above. It's not anything you and I do. As much as you wanted to say, well, there was some preacher or there was some song or there was something going on. Uh, this first point I want us to look at, look at this morning is that the new birth is from above. It's not anything you and I can do. Like, I couldn't even plan this. I can't plan, you know, my meals half the time. Sometimes I get lost when I'm driving. Can you believe that? And I think somewhere in the, in the, in the, the mix of our lives, we think, well, you know, I've got power to see myself saved. You don't have power to get from here to Hera sometimes, you know? And, and, I, and I think about that, that we want to put so much faith in ourselves for our salvation, but truly when we read Scripture, Salvation is from above. Jesus tells Nicodemus, verily, verily, that's what some translations say, truly, truly, I say to you that unless one is, everybody say it, born again, cannot see the kingdom of God. Our, our brother Nicodemus, he was looking for the kingdom. He was looking for Messiah. He was looking for this. This was something he was expecting. I don't want you guys to think that uh, Nicodemus was a, a terrible person. I believe he was someone who was really seeking out God. Truly, he comes to, to Jesus at night. I, I don't know why night. Was he ashamed? Maybe. Maybe he couldn't sleep and he had to go. Last night, I had one of those nights where I just couldn't sleep. I just read, glory to who God is. But Jesus tells him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you're born again, and, and I don't know, we can get lost on that. And here in the next couple of verses, Nicodemus does get lost. The mighty Nicodemus, he, he loses what Jesus is talking about. But when you, when you get into that original language there, we, we think born again. We think, well, I'm going to go back into my mother's womb, right? But really, the, the Greek there, it's a, it's a word, anothen. It's, it's this word that means from above. Unless you're born from above, you can't see the kingdom of God. Now, I don't know how much more plain Jesus can get about how salvation happens. How, how can you be saved? It has to come from above. That if you're a believer here today, you can, you can probably relate to that. You're probably like, yeah, that was something God did, all right. The only thing I did. If you're not a believer today, I want you to understand that there's a God above who wants to see you saved. He desires to see the world saved. And we get into that here in a few verses, right? John 3, 16, all that good stuff. But, but here we see that, that the new birth is a work from above. You must be born from above. And, and that, that to me, it, you know, I think if we, if we go with just born again, you know, this physical birth, we lose the, the meaning of what Jesus is trying to say here. Jesus is not saying you got to be physically born again, is he? We all, we all see that, right? And so let's not be so uh, sterile in our approach to the word born again. Understand that salvation comes from above. It's not from here up. It's from God down to you and I today. 
And I'm glad it's that way because everything I do, it can fall apart pretty quick, right? You ever put something together and it just broke? You ever fix something and it didn't stay fixed very long? No, none of the guys there. You just you're like, quit putting us on the spot today, Daniel. What are you doing? But unless that happens, unless you and I are born from above, then there's really no hope. My hope for you today, like to throw out to you, if you if you're looking for a lifeline today, I want you to understand that your hope is in Jesus because that's where salvation comes from. And if you're worried about believers or unbelievers in your own life, family members, friends, that kind of thing, quit worrying about it and give it to God. Understand that if it's from above, don't you think Jesus can work it out? That there's people in my life that I just, you know, I, I couldn't, I couldn't plan it how the Lord worked in their lives. I can say, well, you know, when I was a kid, I went to church camp and I was saved at nine years old. And that sounds all sterile, doesn't it? But don't you think there was a God in heaven who orchestrated that for Daniel to go and to hear those words? And not just that, but like, I was blessed to hear the gospel from a very young age. And that teaching consistently week in and week out uh, by my parents, by by people like uh, Charlene Alexander, who taught my Sunday school class, those people who preached the gospel, that it began to stick in my heart. And then when the call went out from the Holy Spirit, I heard it. That's an orchestration of God. It is truly a work that is from above. And so when we see this story, Jesus is not just saying, oh yeah, he's just using this fancy language like, ah, if, if you want to go to heaven, you, be- you got to be born again. And in the church, a lot of times we're like this. This is how we take it. We have new people come in and it, we get this beautiful job to disciple them. And we're like, well, if you want to go to heaven, you got to change your life. Have we ever been guilty of telling people that? You know, and I understand that there's, a, there's this idea that once God saves us, then we have works, right? I, I know that. But a lot of times we kind of stop there in our discipleship within the church. We don't, we, we don't spend time thinking, you know, salvation is something that comes from God down. But we tell them, well, you got to stop cussing, right? You got to stop sinning. You got to stop drinking. You got to stop smoking. You got to stop running with girls who do, right? You got to do that. This is what you got to do. You, you got to be this type of person. You have to change. You have to change. And I understand that the, that the God of the universe calls us to holy living, but that's not what saves us. It's a work from above. Nicodemus had done everything right, and he was still lost as the, as the next person. Jesus tells him, hey, understand this, that salvation comes from above. And really what he's telling Nicodemus that night, he's like this. He's like, hey, Nicodemus, salvation comes through me because I'm from above. I am God in flesh. Isn't that beautiful when you think about it? We, we get so sterile with this idea of born again. Are you born again? It's almost like, you know, are, are you an OSU fan? Are you an OU fan? That's how we look at it. I mean, we, we've made it so just cardboard. And, and God's calling you and I today to say, hey, no, it's something that's brand new from God from above to us. I'm so, you know, thankful the other night we had a, had a wonderful fifth quarter. There's kids shooting lasers at each other, you know, good Christian stuff. And um, eating pizza and, and all of that. But, but there was a young man who got up, uh, Jeremy Cooper, he gets up and he, he gives his testimony. And afterwards, this, this young man, I hope to get him here on a Sunday morning sometime. That's, that's my goal. But uh, I'm sitting there listening to this young man who, a lot of you guys know, he was in a ter- it's a terrible car accident. Like, shouldn't have lived. And he tells you that. I shouldn't have lived. There's like four or five ways I should have died that night. God orchestrated something from above, right? 
And, and he comes to me, he's like, well, I kind of you know, I kind of mix my words up sometimes. I don't feel like I'm saying everything I need to say. And I was like, you know what? The Holy Spirit said exactly what he needed to say through you tonight. I've heard from some of Jet's friends, and, and you know, they were just talking about, hey, that was really powerful. How how God, even through bad times, that he works through those times. And that's it's not anything you and I can orchestrate. That's from above. Honestly, this guy was not living for the Lord and a car accident turned him around. He says, I wouldn't wish that on anybody, but if that's what it takes, I hope, you know, I hope it happens. The, the thing is to, today is let's, let's quit sterilizing the word born again and understand that this is a supernatural work from God. It's a work that comes from above that only God can do. It's not, it's not anything you and I can do. We, we, we might get so prideful about, well, we're, we're First Baptist Church in McLeod. Well, whoop-de-doo. There's a Baptist church on every corner, isn't there? I mean, it's true. We laugh about that, but I, I see it. I, I go to pastors' conferences. Pastors have the biggest heads in the world. Well, my church does this. Yeah, but do you understand that the work we do doesn't come from our work, but it comes from Jesus? His work on the cross, the work of the Holy Spirit, all that comes from above. We just get to be a part of it. I could sit here and brag about all the, the good things I got to do when I was at Purim, America, you know? Whoop-de-doo! It was a work of God. I couldn't even orchestrate getting there. I was married to a woman who said two things. I'll never marry a preacher. <laughs> and I'll never live in Purim. <laughs> Joke's on you, Joni. You know? We, we can't orchestrate anything. It's from above. Salvation is from above. The second thing I want us to look at, and it comes out of verse 5, is this point. New birth. New birth is... Yeah, it's from above, but it's also a complete spiritual transformation. Jesus mentions, he says, that unless you're born of spirit and blood, he does say that, right? And really what he's saying, he's like, well, okay, first you got to be born a sinner to be a sinner. We, we have to. So he's saying, basically, he's, he's, uh, he's narrowed down who he's talking to here. Basically, every person that's ever breathed, they're a sinner. And unless you're born, if, unless you're born and alive, and unless you're born of the Spirit, you can't go to heaven. It's still, he, he's still really what he's doing. He's going back to this idea of being born again, being born from above. It's a spiritual transformation. I have to admit that when I see people that you know were living in sin, really had you know just the bondage of sin on them, and when they come to Jesus, they look different. I get that. I see that. I've had guys that I've had to privilege of praying with, and they, they gave themselves to the Lord. I had, a, I had a young man one time come into my office, and he says, I want to be a church person. That's exactly how he put it. I said, well, what does that mean? You want to be a church person? You want to know how to operate a crock pot, or you want to get really territorial about your chair? You know, I mean, what, what, is, what does that mean, church person? <laughs> I had him explain it to me, and here's the cool thing that I, that I remember from this, this conversation I had with this man. He told me the plan of salvation. This is a guy that wasn't trained in seminary. He knew very little, but except what the Spirit had told him. And he says, well, I want to give my life to Jesus. That's a work from above. And it's not just a work from above, but it's also, it's a spiritual transformation. We see that it's something different here. Uh, When Jesus is talking to him, when he's talking about this being born again from above, yeah, it means to be born of the Holy Spirit. I know we as Christians, sometimes we're, we're scared to death of the word Holy Spirit, you know? Most Baptists are like, they believe in Father, Son, and King James Bible, and that's all they believe in. The Holy Spirit is a very, it's very much a part of who we are. 
Actually, we can't even be saved without the call of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's the truth. That's the truth because that work is from above and the Holy Spirit is, is the one that calls us. But it's also this complete spiritual transformation. You fundamentally become something different. It's not like we become perfect. I hate to say it, but you know, if you come to the Lord and you give your life to the Lord, not everyone's, you know, not everyone's uh, healed of their diseases when they come to the, to the Lord. I've prayed several times at, at deathbeds. People gave their life to the Lord and they still died. I've seen people who still deal with sin. They still deal with um, addiction, like substances, alcohol, or, or, or drugs. They still deal with that. But there's a spiritual transformation within them too. It's different. Does God re- relieve people of those addictions? Absolutely, he does. But what God is here to do is not to make us live longer. He's not here to li- make us live happier, healthier lives. What, really what God wants us to do, he wants us to have eternal life. That's why, that's why Jesus came. The Jews were really bad about saying, well, we want a Messiah who comes and reestablishes a, a Davidic kingdom, a physical kingdom here on the earth. And a lot of times the American church today, all we're concerned about is being comfortable. All we're concerned about is that the pastor pleases us, that the worship team pleases us, and that we can leave here feeling better about ourselves. And honestly, when we come to church, we ought to be throwing our, our crowns down before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and saying, God, we're unworthy, but we worship you. That's true. That's true relationship with God. And that only comes through a spiritual transformation. If we're allowing our bad attitudes, our bad ideologies to, to rule our relationship with the world and honestly with God, we're not spiritually transformed or we need to be. And Jesus tells him, he says, you know, you need to be born of the spirit too, the spirit and water. Isaiah 44, um, the prophet, he writes that in the last days that he's going to pour out his spirit on the offspring. And what he's talking about is that there's going to come a time when the Holy Spirit is going to go and he's going to work in the lives of people. And this is what's happening here. Jesus is, he's throwing back to this, this old prophecy, but he's saying, this is about, this is what's going to happen. I don't know a lot about Nicodemus after this story. I'm sure there's, you know, there's tales and like, where did Nicodemus go after this? Did he become like a, you know, did, did he get right with God? You know, I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I don't want to go speculate because it really didn't say here. But I believe that the power and the message of Jesus that day was powerful enough to change Nicodemus. What do you mean, Daniel? Well, Nicodemus had a lot of things going for him already. He knew who God was. He was trying to please God. And so he had that going for him. Jesus used people who were terrible. You know, he, he used he used gamblers and he used uh, people who were were like in weird trades, uh, people that were very much worldly. He used them to do great things. And so Nicodemus, man, by all practical means, I, I'd like to think that he continued on and he he did something great for the Lord before he died. But I don't know. You know, I'm just gonna I'm gonna leave it here. We, it's not the not the important part of the story here. The important part is how is salvation. How does it come about? What is salvation? And man, I, I just want us not to be guilty of saying, man, it's you know, born again. Well, we say born again on the same page that we say Baptists, right? It's very sterile. But that's not what we read in Isaiah. It's not what we read about Jesus. Jesus is talking about this new outpouring, this work of the Holy Spirit upon people. I've experienced that, and I want other people to experience that. Are you guys with me with that? Like, we want to see people changed. There were, there were youth there the other night I'd never seen before, and I believe they heard the gospel, and that excited me. 
We had breakfast yesterday morning with men, and it was great. And I believe the gospel was proclaimed there and the fellowship that we had and the, the camaraderie to understand that, you know what, you're not the only man that's out here dealing with stuff. Because we all have a common, a common God, the one true God. And he's the one that, through his Holy Spirit outpouring on us, we can go and we can be different people. I love our, our men's group that we're, we're starting to meet. Um, I hated that Daniel couldn't be there yesterday because of all the stuff they're going through. But, but uh, you know, it was, it was good to see it started. I'm glad Daniel got it started. And I, but I'm looking forward to the future because the whole point in this is about really getting into the Word of God and then getting together on a regular basis and talking about the Word of God. Because it's by hearing the Word of God that our, our faith grows. And as men in the church, as leaders within the church, we need to be coming together and, 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 and talking about who God is. Because it's not about our works. It's not about who does what. But it's, it's about the points we've already talked about this morning. That the new birth, what we have experienced is from God, right? And it's a complete spiritual transformation. That, in other words, my, my hunger for, for the Word of God should increase all the time. Because I believe that the Lord gives us that hunger. It's a spiritual transformation. I'm a reader. I like to read. I've got lots of, lots of books in my office in there, you know? And there's a lot of books I only read one time, you know? That's it. I don't go back to it. But there's something special about the Word of God. that You can go back, and, and honestly, I could show up next week, and I could say, open, open the words to John chapter 3, verses 1 through 15, and you guys, you know, we, we'd have another sermon over it. That's how rich the Word of God is. And so when it comes to our spiritual walk, if the Word of God changes us, that's a spiritual transformation. We ought to be walking differently, I believe, than we are sometimes. We just walk around like a bunch of defeated people with our heads down and we think, well, COVID's here, you know, politics here. We got this president. We got that president. My sports team lost, right? They're going to tear up the bridge down here on I-40 and put a new bridge in, and we get worried about that. When, you know, we ought to be walking in joy and peace because supernaturally we've been changed. We understand that the time may be drawing near when Christ returns, and so we need to be busy about the work of the Lord. Jesus is calling you and I even through this today with these truths. The last point I want us to look at this morning is that the new birth is not a self-induced intellectual or moral awakening. I want us to get past the point that we think that there's some point we're just walking down the street one day and intellectually all of a sudden we understand we need a savior, right? On our own accord, of course. Or that all of a sudden we're like, hey, I want to be good now. I'm tired of being bad. I think I'll be good. I've seen people come to church because they want to be good. You know how long that lasts? About a minute. Because as soon as they walk out, if they're not empowered by a spiritual transformation, if they've not been born from above, that that old worldly stuff takes over again. It's the truth of the matter. Salvation is something God does. It's not like you and I become good enough at one moment. We're just like, well, I'm going to be good now. Jesse, I'm going to go to church and I'm going to sit, you know, I'm going to sit in the pew. It's not like Jesse one day said, well, I want to be a moral person. And so, so I can sing in, in front of people every Sunday. It's not what happened, that there was a, a, a work from above, a spiritual transformation in his life. And in your life as a believer, that's what happens. Our work is not of our own. Our salvation is not of our own. It's from God. So we don't get good enough all of a sudden. You know, it's not like, oh, wow, I see the, the error of my ways. We reach that point, I understand, but, but understand that's something that God does. It's not something we do. Our minds don't automatically just go, oh, yeah, 
What I do believe, though, on the same token, I believe that the Holy Spirit speaks to hearts and minds, and all of a sudden we do see. It's called enlightenment. It's called illumination. And, and I believe the Lord does that for his, his believers when he calls us. I don't know about you guys, but I'm happy he lit my way up. Yesterday I talked about, uh, out of Psalm 119, because that's, that's kind of where the Lord's been speaking to me, and there's the famous passage, Psalm 119 and 105. It says, your word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. You guys know that verse? Your word is a lamp into my feet. I, I've thought about that a lot because it's like the psalmist writes, he's really writing two things, right? There's two things that your light is for me, your word is for me. First, it's a light for my feet so I can see who I am and why I need a God. I believe that you and I, we need to have those hard looks at ourselves. And I believe the Holy Spirit awakens our eyes to see our exact place that we're at, our need for a Savior. But that doesn't come because one day you've just read enough books, you've listened to enough TV preachers, and now you're like, okay, I need to be better. No, the Holy Spirit is the one that does the work. I work from above. He, he is definitely, through His Word, He's the light to our feet so that you and I today, we can, we can see who we are and what we need. And it doesn't matter who you are today, but you need Jesus. It doesn't matter if you go to the country of Turkey, you go to downtown Hera, you go to wherever, Mexico. I've been in the jungles of Honduras, that, that kind of stuff. I've, I've been on the, the reservations in Arizona. It doesn't matter who you are. Everyone needs Jesus. It's the same for all of us. And without him, we're hopeless. Without that work from above, without that spiritual transformation, we, we can't do it on our own. People aren't just going to get good enough on their own. It takes the work of God. And Jesus tells him there in verse 8, you know, that, you know, that the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it's going. Proof, proof in case, we've got storm season coming up here in Oklahoma, right? You guys know where I'm going with this already. The weathermen are saying, oh, this is going to happen, you know, and, and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes they don't say anything, and then it happens. And then I crack up because everybody like talks bad about the weatherman, like he's God and creates the weather and he's, he's mixing molecules and winds and barometric pressures in order to make something. They're just people that are trying to guess where the wind's going. That's really what it comes down to. And what Jesus tells us is like, no one knows. We don't know where it comes from. We don't know where it's going. Sometimes it changes. He says, that's the same way it is about the spirit. What he's really saying when we talk about the wind here, we're talking about the spirit of God. We don't understand all the the multiplicities of what the, what the Spirit is about. We, we don't, I can't. I'm just, my mind's too small. We were talking this morning, Austin, about some stuff that I'm like, I don't know. He comes to me and asks me questions. I was like, I don't know. You know, I got an opinion, but I know that sometimes the Word of God, where it's quiet, we just, we're just quiet. We don't know. Sometimes we just need to do that and just tell people, I don't know. One of these days we will, though. And Jesus, he doesn't like try to blow up Nicodemus's mind with how, with how the Spirit works. He says, you know what? The Spirit of God works like this. I can't explain it to you because your, your mind's too small. We don't know where it's coming from. As humans, we don't understand where it's coming from or where it's going. But what we do know is that the wind blows. Amen? We live in central Oklahoma. We know the wind blows every day, all day. And so with that thought, you understand that we don't understand all of God, but we do understand that he moves. You can feel it. The other night, in a room full of teenagers, I could feel God's Spirit speaking to hearts. We didn't have a big Billy Graham moment the other night, but I, but I believe seeds are planted, and I believe that there's some kids that God's raising up. 
Not for my glory, not for this church's glory, but for the glory of God. That there were, that there's some, some beginning stages of, of people having that spiritual transformation. There's some beginning stages of people having that work from above, that, that being born of above. I believe that that's what's happening in those type situations. I believe that today, my words are not just sermon words. And I pray today that you like the sermon, that this, you know, I, I like people to like me, to be honest with you. But I found that being a pastor, sometimes people just don't like you. That's just how it is. But overall of that, what I want you to understand is that the word of God is what you need to be getting into. That salvation is not because of what Daniel does, what this church does, what you do. Salvation is from above. It's complete transformation. In other words, we are what? New creatures in Christ. That's what that means. There's something, something wonderful that happens. Salvation is something that you, once you see it, you're like, oh yeah, that spirit of God pouring out on you. And it's not something you can brag about. You can't just say, well, one day I got really smart and now I'm saved. It's not how it works. It's not how it works at all. I don't want to rush through like this next passage of scripture. So we're going to tag it next week with the chapter four. But John 3, 16, you guys know this verse? I can't rush through this one. The Lord's Prayer and John 3, 16, those are really hard for me to rush through. And also Jesus wept. I can't rush through that one either. But when you get to John 3, 16, you guys know this verse. But, but I want you to think about this. On, on the eve of Valentine's Day, we're all talking lovey-dovey and all that kind of stuff. And the world's got its idea of love. I want you to understand that God's got a true definition of what true love is. Love that never gives up on you. Love that is perfect. Love that is what we all need. Love that is from above. Love that changes us spiritually. Love that, yes, it opens our minds to see what we need to do. But at the same moment, we understand that this love is not something we create. It's not something we do. It's not the puppy dog feelings you have when you know you first met your your girlfriend or your boyfriend or your husband or your wife you wake up in the morning and you got a beautiful brunette wife and you still got those puppy dog feelings i do i'll be on y'all are like be quiet daniel quit talking that's gross but i do I, i'm like still deeply i love my wife but the love of jesus is even so much deeper than that honestly the love that Joni and i have for each other it wouldn't even be worth anything if it wasn't for the love of jesus it's, it's that love of Christ that's between us that really bonds us together because Lord knows she should have left me a long time ago, you know, by the world's standards. And honestly, like we laugh about it, but when you think about it, divorce rates in the world, like relationship problems, uh, redefinitions of sexuality and gender, all of that happens in our world today because people are confused about who God is. We can call it what you want. We can say, well, it, it, it's, it's society that's coming down on people. No, it's Satan that's coming down on people, confusing minds. And people don't know what love is. John 3.16 says what love is. For God so loved the world. Everybody hear that? I don't care if Billy or Sally, they say they love you with their whole hearts. Here God is being proclaimed. And I think it's interesting. Like Here we have the story of Nicodemus. But then John goes into writing like a truth. You guys notice this, right? For God so loved what? The world. Like he, he makes a point to mention that Jesus says this. There's this whole like, like a gospel moment where Jesus is sharing what truth is, but then he makes sure to share this part. John makes sure to share this part. Is he explaining it to, is he explaining it to John? We don't really know. Is John just saying, you know, was this something Jesus said later? We don't really know, but it's important because look, for God so loved the world. 
that he gave his only son. You guys realize Jesus hadn't really been exposed to the world for being Messiah yet, right? This is just the beginning stages, but yet the truth of the gospel is already being proclaimed. For God so loved the world. I mean, honestly, when I read this, I almost think, well, this was something that John had heard later. And he's like, he's writing about this story in Nicodemus, and then he writes about who Jesus is based on what he knew after the facts. For God so loved the world, past tense, true, right? That he sent his son, that whoever believes in him should what? Not perish, but have eternal life. It's like, it's like a, a synopsis of everything that just happened in the story of Nicodemus. For God so loved the world that he sent Jesus from where? Everybody say it. Where did Jesus come from? Yeah, y'all better say above, right? Born of above. And so where did, where did Jesus come from? He come from above so that people might be saved. Yes, that's a clear definition, isn't it? We complicate it. We sterilize it. We put it in a cardboard package and send it by Amazon Express. That's what we do. Prime's got nothing on the work of the Holy Spirit. I mean, one thing I can say about living in McLeod, Oklahoma, it is wonderful to order something and it's sitting on your porch the next day. When I was in Purim, it might be two weeks. You know, it's like living on, on Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? It'll take about two weeks. That, that was my life in Purim because you might get it, you might not. Get old McLeod, I get it next day. Oh yeah. I need those slippers. I need... <sighs> I know, well, I don't know what we order. Joni orders stuff all the time, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, there it is. But God so loved the world that this, this story in Nicodemus, it's not just a conversation between two spiritual leaders, but it's a, it's a conversation between the God of the universe and a lost man. And the message is clear. Guys, if you know Jesus today, you ought to be happy. Quit sterilizing it. Live in the power of it. You're born of the spirits. You're not born of the gravy that congeals, right? You're born of the spirit. It's a, it's a powerful thing. You're born of the spirits. So we should live in the, in the power of the spirit of God. Why? Because he loved us so that whoever believes should not perish. One thing I believe is that we exist as a church here, not just so we can, you know, appear holy and have a church building. One thing I find is that a lot of our people that visit here, like visit our church for the first time, you know what they always write on the cards? And I don't know if this is sad or what, but they say, I just drove by. What, I, what we ought to be seeing on those cards is so-and-so who goes here invited me. That's really what we ought to be seeing. And I know you guys are like, well, that was a good sermon. Now you're going to step on our toes. Yep, I'm going to. We ought to be out there knocking down the gates of hell and inviting people to get in here because it is a, it's a life and death situation. And those people can know the gospel. Can it be saved out there? Absolutely. But I think we ought to make a concerted effort that every time we come together as believers, that we're bringing someone with us who's lost. Each one reach one. Is that so Daniel can brag to his pastor friends and say, well, in our church, you know, uh, we have spontaneous baptisms. <sighs> Give me a break. It's not an intellectual thing. It's a work of the Holy Spirit's it's a work of God. And catch this in closing. It's for the glory of God. It's God's plan. That for God so loved the world. It's not so, because Daniel's so awesome at what he does, or because Purim First Baptist, or McLeod First Baptist exists, or Oklahoma Baptist exists, or the church in Turkey exists, or whatever. It's because God loved the world that he sent Jesus so that people might be saved. 
And whoever believes in him is not going to perish. I'm glad I'm not going to perish. I don't worry about hell. And honestly, when we see a lost person, we ought to hurt for them because we don't want them to go there either. If you know Jesus today, this is your call to action. This is your call to action. If you're not a believer today, I believe this. I believe the Holy Spirit is knocking on your door right now. Whether you're sitting in this house or you're hearing this later, I believe God is speaking to your heart. And I plead with you, do not grieve him. If he's calling you to repent and to believe, do it. Do it. I have never heard a believer say, you know what? I wish I'd never been saved. I wish I'd never had a ticket to not go to hell. I've never heard one say that ever. You know why? Because they've been spiritually transformed. And it's a work from above. And, and people can say what they want, but I believe that once God gets a hold of you and saves you, then that is a salvation that you can be secure in. Today, walk in that church. Believers, we need to be adamant about proclaiming the gospel. And if you don't know Jesus today, come know him. And it's not my words. It's not my maybe change in pitch right now that, that draws you to know Jesus. I believe that the Holy Spirit is calling you to repentance today. I'm just saying do it because there was a time when I didn't and then I did and then I was glad I did and all these years later, I'm still glad I did. Isn't God good?